Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar along with Sam Ekstrom here. And Sam, you have taken like two days off for this entire time, basically the off season. And in one, Rick Dennison is out as offensive line coach. And in the other, Kirk Cousins gets a close contact with COVID. And so Judd Zolgad took your seat for the other night. Uh, but here we are again with another Zimmer press conference in which I thought maybe Zimmer would walk some things back because he was so frustrated the other day and just sort of let loose and essentially insinuated that Kirk Cousins was um, a selfish person and selfish player, not a team player for not getting the vaccination. And Mike Zimmer doubled down again today and said that he's concerned about some of the information that his players have gotten. He said that he knows some guys just absolutely will not get the vaccine. And I assume he was referring to Kirk Cousins when he was saying that. And so now we are about to go out and watch Jake Browning practice again with Case Cookus, possibly. And I saw that Cole McDonald, former Hawaii quarterback, is also trying out, which I wonder if that means that Nate Stanley has uh, had his time come to an end here in Minnesota. So give me your reaction to all the happenings of the last couple of days. Yeah, um, I should not take any more vacation because this this is just uh, getting to be too much. I am amazed at Mike Zimmer's stamina to answer questions about a troublesome topic because usually this stuff irritates him. Usually, um, if it's, you know, kind of bad for the team, he gets tired of talking about it pretty quickly and he shuts that stuff down. Um, like injuries, for instance, if these were injured players, I don't think he would give us anything, but, uh, this is something entirely different. And somebody asked him today, I think it might've been Chip Scoggins said, is it more frustrating because last year it wasn't in anybody's control really? Um, it was pretty easy to catch it, you know, just with a kind of a freak run in. Uh, this year, it's within the players' control to, you know, at least get get the vaccination. And granted, you can still get it, but your chances are reduced, and you wouldn't have to sit out due to a close contact, which is what Jake Browning benefited from. Um, if not for Browning being vaccinated, they probably don't have practice on Saturday. I don't know what what would have happened there, um, but Mike Zimmer's exasperation seems to to mirror the way the whole organization feels. Rick Spielman was about as vocal as Rick Spielman would ever get when he talked about it on Tuesday. Um, The team's Twitter account is promoting Zimmer's comments. Uh, This, they they feel very strongly about this. Um, And maybe it is because it seems like there are a fair amount of prominent players and not just cousins either that, that feel this way. And the fact that it kind of came to fruition this early in training camp, I think is it's Mike Zimmer saying, told you so like this is what I'm worried about Um, and I guess for Zimmer the sigh of relief is is that it's August 1st and not December 1st but I think we know with the way things are going in the United States that it will be December 1st at some point Mm -hmm. there will be a game where a key player who has not been vaccinated has to miss it and maybe even if they're going through all the protocols I mean, maybe they're doing everything they possibly could, sheltering in place and wearing a mask and being as cautious as they can. But if one person gets that breakthrough case, which I believe is what happened to Kellen Mond, uh, none of us are 1,000% sure, but considering there was an Instagram picture on the Vikings website of or their Instagram page of him taking the shot from months ago, mm-hmm. I assume that 
you know, he is vaccinated and he was just a breakthrough positive test. But that's going to happen with other positions. I mean, think about the wide receiver group. If you if you are one of the wide receivers who is vaccinated and you just come in contact with this just by being out in the world, even if you wear a mask, this can happen. And then you come back, you test positive, And then in your wide receiver room, an unvaccinated wide receiver now has to sit out because of that. You could end up missing two or three wide receivers for a game. And if that happens with this team or if it's cousins or if it's. Uh, you know, a key safety, a key whatever. Like, I mean, you're talking about games that you could potentially lose. And so you can hear the frustration and kind of desperation in Mike Zimmer's voice. Like, guys, we're going to lose games because of this if this continues. And, you know, this is a guy who is always afraid of losing. He's always afraid of Mm -hmm. the worst case scenario. We know this, that Mike Zimmer is one of the most competitive football obsessed people and every time i tweet something out that mike zimmer says you get you know a bunch of responses back that are who is mike zimmer to tell you what to do and all these things and i understand that perspective but i also think like you have to understand that mike zimmer is focused on football like he wants fans in the stands he wants his key players on the field and that's what he's talking about here and i think even people who are skeptical about the vaccine who love the vikings would probably have to agree they'd rather have their starting quarterback, right? I mean, this is this is where it gets so dodgy. And Mike Zimmer, though, he went all in today in a way that he hadn't even before. And he accused some of these players of taking in misinformation yeah. on the Internet, which I thought was about as strong as you'll ever hear any coach on anything. And I wrote today for the website, purpleinsider.substack.com, I wrote about how whether like this is classic Zim or a new Zim, and I want your opinion on what I wrote, but I think I think that it's kind of a, a hybrid because it's classic Zim in the way that he does not give a bleep about saying how he feels, but it's also a new Zim as in he's listening to all the information on the medical side, and apparently the, I'm just going to call it the proper information uh, from the proper news sources and the Uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. Sills, who is uh, in charge of all the protocols and everything else. So he's listening to the people who would know the most about this in the universe and going in that direction and not making it sort of a both sides type of thing. Uh, And that maybe is a little surprising to some people that I talked to the other night. And so I I think it's sort of fascinating how Zimmer is both being blunt and candid, as he always is, but also coming across as sort of very educated on the topic in which he is talking about. Yeah, uh, and this is a coach that does, you know, walk by and coach by the beat of his own drum sometimes. For instance, when it comes to analytics, um, that's, you know, not necessarily something that he embraces, where a lot of people that are, you know, really, really smart in that department might say, hey, this is the direction you should be going. Um, You know, when it comes to things like, you know, load management, I think he's adapted that somehow, but he's still like he still appreciates the the contact and the ability to get his players on the field. He really wanted them here for OTAs, things like that. Um, And and this is a a case where he is 100 percent like kind of taking in all that's being told him by, you know, people that are really smart. And maybe that's him kind of recognizing that. Yes, you're right. I'm not a doctor, but I'm listening to doctors. Um, and, and I think that the breakthrough cases are inevitably going to change some of the protocol that around the building. And I know that's going to be frustrating to, to Zim and other coaches because he's expressed numerous times how much he enjoys the freedom that he does have now, not wearing masks as much. But 
if you can be vaccinated and and remember it, the vaccinations are almost 100% preventing hospitalization and death those are just the numbers um, but it does not guarantee like in mon's case that you won't get it and if they realize that okay well if we're you know if these people are unmasked and they're vaccinated but they can still get it that could be a problem and we may have to tighten things up and the league i'm sure is going to adapt that just like last year when we were learning more and more about the virus things were adjusted as the year went on and this year we're learning more and more about how people interact with the vaccines and then can spread um, you know, with this new Delta variant. And Zimmer has referenced the Delta variant as this kind of ominous threat multiple times. Um, so I, I don't think we are done with vaccine and virus-related drama, unfortunately. Um, this is, you know, about this time last year, I think we had, what, half a dozen guys who had like a false positive because the lab messed something up. Just crazy things are going to happen. Unfortunately, it doesn't feel like we're out of the woods. And and full, full stadiums, um, hopefully, but you know who knows at this point. That's the feeling that I had kind of earlier today, too, as I was seeing more of this and, and reading a little bit more about where it's at, because all of a sudden, uh, people like you and I have to be a little more educated on what's going on in the outside news world because of how much it's impacting the NFL. And my general feeling on it is, um, we might have full stadiums, but maybe masks are going to be required again. I, I saw the University of Minnesota indoors is now requiring people to wear masks, and I think that we're going to see more and more of those mandates coming back. I think that California brought theirs back, and I wouldn't be surprised even if you and I, at some point here during training camp or whenever we're in the building here at TCO Performance Center, if they start saying, hey, you guys got to wear masks again, too, uh, because it does seem that people who are vaccinated are able to test positive and, and even are able to spread the Delta variant. And so here we are, uh, Matthew Collar, science guy and <laughs> Sam Ekstrom, science guy, trying to like, you know, wade through these waters and talk about it. But I think we said this after Mike Zimmer's initial rant about how it was going to be difficult. We said, look, I hate this. You hate this. It's going to be a thing. And here we are. It's a thing. Now, what I am interested to see is what Kirk Cousins has to say when he comes back. My prediction is he'll say, I'm not going to talk about my medical history. And he will say that he followed all the protocols. And that will be the only thing we hear from him. And he'll just repeat those two things and we'll mm -hmm. go back to normal for now. But the discomfort between the head coach and the quarterback on this particular subject I read Bruce Arian's book, and I've referenced it a few times on here, where he talks about coaching Peyton Manning, coaching Ben Roethlisberger, coaching Andrew Luck, and he talked about how valuable it was to have the head coach and the quarterback on the same page. We saw that here in 2015. I think we saw that here with Sam Bradford at times, as well with Mike Zimmer. We have never seen that here with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. They rarely even discuss each other. You, ne you almost never hear them even mention each other in press conferences or anything else. You rarely see them in practice uh, talking to each other, having conversations, giving each other a hard time, like Sam Bradford once jumping on Mike Zimmer. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, like to celebrate a touchdown right? yeah. uh, and knocking Zimmer over after he had eye surgery. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've never seen anything like that here. And I think this just sort of furthers the divide of these two people. And that is tough i think and when we're looking at the roster 
and saying, this team is very good. They're very talented. Those first couple of practices were, were good. Now you have this, and it is a mile-wide elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean, right or wrong, if Kirk Cousins has struggles this year, it would be very easy for Mike Zimmer to point toward, well, you know, Kirk, you're you're meeting virtually. You're not in the room. You're you're not as 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 much a part of this team as you could be, or as much a leader on this team as you could be. And you know, what is leadership? That's a very abstract word sometimes. Um, and we've talked about in the past with quarterbacks, like you know, the the Teddies and the Sam Bradfords, how it's not always about being rah-rah. Sometimes it's about, you know, leading by example, going about your business, just playing well. Um, and Kirk, I think, has become more vocal as the years have gone on, and he's been a little more willing to, to, to get fiery and express some emotion. We saw that more on the field last year. But, you know, will that affect? And someone asked this today, too, and Mike Zimmer dismissed it. He didn't think it was a big deal. But will... Um, his status um, affect his credibility in the locker room or his ability to be a leader. Mike Zimmer said, no, I don't think so. Um, but again, he's guessing on that. And it's hard to, to figure out what other players are feeling, some players that are on the opposite side of it. And I don't know how it's going to play out either. I think that you know, winning kind of cures all, but it'll be very easy for things to get tense if and when things go wrong. And it's an NFL season. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to lose games. Um, Kirk Cousins typically has kind of a two, three game rough stretch at some point. Then what happens? Like, how does he respond? How do the players respond to him within that? Um, I, I think that's all very intriguing. And, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, maybe a little bit uh, have some trepidation there. I guess the one thing you would say is it's like sort of a, a backhanded type of comment, but did he have credibility as a leader to begin with in the locker room is a question. Because over these years, we've seen just a lot of, I, I guess, evidence to say that he has never really been the guy who everyone looks to. I think it's been Delvin Cook is the leader of the locker room. And somebody told me that a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago. Like, look, Delvin Cook is really the guy that everyone looks to here and, and not the quarterback. So I wonder if this is just sort of par for the course for the way a lot of people view Kirk Cousins. And even last year... I mean, it wasn't really a thing, but Justin Jefferson saying, like, come on, Kirk, or whatever, and, and there were times where you saw body language of receivers that were very frustrated, and that has always been a thing that has existed here. So I, I don't know if it will change or if it's sort of this is how Kirk Cousins is and this is what it's like to play with him, and that's how it's going to be. The only thing I wondered about is from Kirk Cousins' perspective, he has to feel very much like everyone's against him now. Right. I mean, he has to feel very much like, wow, they are really going after me. I'm sure he follows the team on Twitter and they have made it quite clear on Twitter where they stand with putting out these Zimmer quotes, because we know that NFL teams and their social medias are not putting stuff out there that the team doesn't want out there. Uh, otherwise, somebody gets in trouble. And so they've put out quotes, they've put out clips, and I've seen all sorts of people, you know, in the media congratulating Mike Zimmer for his commentary, but at the same time, all of it is pointed at the quarterback. So as he comes back to the team, I mean, Kirk Cousins has to feel like very uncomfortable, sort of like um, if, you, if you're in school and you get thrown out of class and then you come in the next day <laughs> kind of thing and everybody's looking at you like, what are you going to do? 
And I, I won't say, because I saw this comment on our website, I've seen other people say, I won't say good thing it happened now uh, because it, it could happen again. And so it's not really a good thing to be four days into training camp and have your team fractured, uh, have massive differences of opinion between your head coach and your quarterback. And the unfortunate thing, if you're a Vikings fan, where you're really probably shaken or upset right now is you had an opportunity to get very excited about this team. And so right off the bat, the first 17 minutes of our show, and now two straight shows, are about Delta variant. <laughs> and, and, and trust me, I don't want it that way. You don't want it that way. And Mike Zimmer didn't want it that way. But that's the reality of where we're at right now. And now this is something you have Rick Dennison not coaching. You have Jeff Gladney being indicted, possibly. We don't have that yet. Murph will be on it. And maybe today. Maybe today. And then you have now this. We're only five days in. And and you have all these things that have already happened. Um, there's, it, there's a 2018-ish feel to it with mm -hmm. all these things sort of just coming apart on a team that should be actually quite good. And there's such a ripple effect, too, you know, stemming from fans who I assume paid to go to Saturday's practice who got to see Jake Browning and a lot of Jake Browning. Uh, it, it goes to the wide receivers like Amir Smith-Marset, who suddenly, you know, is going to have to catch passes from Case Cookus and, you know, whoever else comes into the building to fill out those spots. Um, everyone who's affected by the quarterback. And that's not good for your team development, your chemistry heading into the preseason games. We still have two more weeks of training camp uh, before that first game. You know, the Broncos are going to be in here. Um, and I assume that that's going to lead to a whole new set of protocols, too. Like, that could get messy as well when you've got another team involved. How distance will you have to be from them? Um, this whole thing is evolving day by day. And, you know, last year, the NFL had, I guess, about, what, six months to sort of, like, observe the virus and react to it. They had a lot of time to set up protocols, and they were able to get through the season. And they almost kind of got, you know, payback this year with a lot of stuff that's happening in the country and the world is pretty new and fluid right now. And now that the NFL's in preseason mode, they're going to have to adjust to it on the fly. And uh, that's going to be very unsettling for a lot of teams and a lot of people. So um, I guess what's the best case scenario that, that comes out of this? Um, I guess it'd be if you want harmony, it's that. Kirk Cousins, you know, has a realization. He kind of heeds what Mike Zimmer's been saying, and all's well that ends well. But I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. Mike Zimmer had some pretty strong comments about the players that won't um, get it. We don't know for sure if Kirk is in that group, but um, he did not seem confident that, that they would um, cave at all. He seemed extremely confident that, in fact, they, they would not be getting it under any circumstances. That felt very much like he was talking about Kirk Cousins. So now the best-case scenario going forward for the Vikings, oddly, is probably that the NFL changes some of its protocols and tries to lock this thing down a little bit even more from instead of just, hey, if you're vaccinated, you're pretty much good, go live your life, that maybe there's more masks wearing involved or whatever other things that they need to do more virtual meetings I'm not sure or I brought this up the other night but or maybe they separate Kirk Cousins from the other quarterbacks and have him meet mm. virtually or whatever um, to make sure that this isn't going to be a problem or at least they separate one quarterback but um, maybe now 
they have a contingency plan to try to avoid this from happening again. And, you know, as much as I was impressed by Jake Browning the other night, I'm impressed by Jake Browning's sort of approach to talking with us today, how he said, look, I'm not getting into that. I'm not stepping my foot in that hornet's nest. I'm just here to take my reps and I'm going to go forward. Our buddy Sage Rosenfels would have been so proud of that press conference. That was a journeyman backup quarterback (laughs) press conference on the nose. Well done by Jake Browning, who talked about trying to increase his his arm strength and things he's done to get better over the years. Uh, But I think that if there's anything you could sort of take as like what the resolution is, it's just now you understand this could happen and how can we do everything to avoid this happening again? And then everybody's got to hold their breath on a week to week basis. If that, you know, COVID list comes out, if you see a tweet Mm -hmm. that says Kirk cousins has been placed on the COVID list. I mean, that might mean that you just lose a game. So uh yeah it's it's tough and i don't think that it's changing and it's tough to talk about honestly like we're coming here ready to talk about wide receiver three and kj osborne and all those things and now it's like well but but just put your epidemiologist hat on for a second you know it's sort of um an uncomfortable place to be for everyone and i guess um we'll we'll just this is one where you just are going to wait and see and see how this ends up playing out so let's talk about a couple of things Mm -hmm. uh the padded practice not happening today it's just going to be a regular practice rick spielman came out to talk with us and we were like oh my god is he announcing like something huge and he says no we can't practice a pad today like oh okay well no problem i guess yeah like you know you know how easter is like it's like the first sunday after the first full moon after the equinox this was like we can't be padded because we need to have a non-padded practice after the first day off after a five-day acclimation period it was bizarre it came from a memo on june 3rd and nobody knew about it until today want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original minnesota sports inspired goods if you have not seen it yet you've got to check it out a couple of my favorite designs are the duck duck gray duck and the randy moss goat which you've got to see Uh, all their apparel is screen printed here in minnesota on super soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SOTASTICK, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, so that was was very weird, but there's no padded practice. So we can't say, what are we looking for in padded practice? Uh, But, oh, I should mention real quick, Wyatt Davis it was clarified to us that he had an injury and that was why he was not practicing. He is not on the COVID list. It was not a close contact thing or an unvaccinated thing because I did speculate the other night. Like, I wonder why he wasn't here. And this now Zimmer's going to have to tell us about injuries. Remember maybe it was a year or two ago where he's like, I don't talk about injuries. Well, now you're going to have to tell us when guys are gone, whether it's an injury or not, but it didn't sound serious for Wyatt Davis. Uh, At the same time, like what day of training camp, Sam, do you start saying, all right, it's time to be nervous about what the offensive line looks like? August 16th, because that would be the first practice after the first game. And, Collar, are we going to see either rookie in that game? Derisaw hasn't done anything, and Davis is hurt now. And Mike Zimmer and optimism about injuries doesn't always hit me necessarily as the most truthful, even though he did say that Davis is doing better we don't fully know where he's at. So um, if they don't play in that first game and they just, you know, Derisaw is going to need probably several practices just to ramp up. They're going to ease him in. They're going to be cautious with him. 
um, I think there, there's reason to be nervous. And let, let's face it, there was reason to be nervous even if the rookies were playing. So there's that. It's not as if the rookies were guaranteed to step in and change the game. So if you have Rashad Hill and, heck, Ole Udo, maybe you know that timeline is more successful than the timeline where both rookies start all 17 games. I mean, because rookies are no are no shoe in. Um, but I'm still worried about Rashad Hill and Oliudo. Like I think there's worries on all fronts, whether it's one, zero, or two rookies in there. Why do you think they didn't get another offensive lineman? I mean, bringing back Rashad Hill was smart. Mm-hmm. He's not very expensive, and we've seen him play 700 snaps in a in a season before and hold his own. He was an average or a little below average offensive lineman in 2017, but that didn't keep them from going 13 and three. The fact that Rashad Hill was playing a lot, he's had to come in games recent in recent years. Once against the Eagles two years ago, last year he had to come into a game played really well in all of those games. So you trust Rashad Hill? I get that. That's fine, but. From the guard perspective, to trade for Mason Cole, who's been only playing center from what I've seen, so he's kind of the backup center, and he had very briefly played guard but didn't have a lot of experience there, to not bring in, who was the guy we were talking about, Austin Blythe or something, where... For like a million bucks. Right, and maybe Austin Blythe is, I don't know, championship chasing, but I think probably not, right? He probably (laughs) wanted the most money possible. Like, could you give him three million... I think that's the thing that we'll end up going back to and saying it was Mm -hmm. a great offseason for them considering how little money they had to spend and to be able to replace so many positions with good players. We see Brashad Breland out there looking pretty good to start. We, uh, Mike Zimmer raved about Patrick Peterson today. I think he's looked fine, um, but, you know, until pads come on, cornerbacks just get roasted by these wide receivers. It's like don't ever judge what you're seeing until they put pads on with corners because they just get killed. Uh, in the seven on seven type of look but to not bring in like one more guy outside of Dakota Dozier and we know that one weak link can be such a problem with the offensive Mm -hmm. line like I'm already I'm like I'm ready to call it like I'm ready to call like okay it's time you can criticize them for that you're you're allowed now if Wyatt Davis was great then you'd say okay the approach worked and you can't criticize them but Wyatt Davis's second teamer and now getting behind in practice Christian Darisaw hasn't put on you know, a jersey yet really to go out there and practice or a helmet yet. I, I think you can. I think you can say, why wasn't there another player brought in here? Yeah. You know, someone needs to tell the Vikings, hey, you didn't need to choose offense or defense. You're allowed to like divvy up the money on both. And they put so much money into that defense and they might be better because of it, but they they did open up the money. That's the thing about it is that we didn't think they had money they found it. They did a great job of finding it, and then they poured it all into one side of the ball. Um, have they gotten petrified to overpay is my question because they have been burned a handful of times um, with kind of those mid-level deals. Boone, Remmers, Josh Klein, none of them. I think they played a combined. They were signed for like a total of 12 years and played for a combined four years. Those contracts didn't pan out for whatever reason. And you moved Remmer's position in one of those years, and he was awful as a guard. Correct. Um, After being serviceable as a tackle. Um, Brian O'Neill, probably better. So that worked out at tackle, did not work out at guard. Um, But I just, I I feel like you wouldn't have had to overspend. You could have gotten a one-year deal. 
everyone was signing one-year deals in this offseason, as the Vikings can attest on defense. So um, to overlook having just a stopgap tackle seems like an oversight to me. And, and you know, moving Udo to the inside further weakens their tackle depth, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused there. Um, it, it seems like such a repeat of last year, and you don't even have Riley Reef to kind of like be a veteran stabilizer. So I, I'm scratching my head. And of 2018 too. I mean, in, in 2018 it was, well, Nick Easton got hurt. We're just going to go to Tom Compton. Yes, he's never started before, but that's okay. Like, what? what is it though? I mean, the same way with Dakota Dozier. Like, yeah, it's fine. He's never started before. Well, let's just play him 16 games. And now I think Dozier does end up getting the start and Udo ends up sticking as a backup tackle if – or backup guard slash tackle and just, you know, whatever happens. And then Drew Samia got name dropped the other day, which is like, wait, is that a consideration? Um, so, yeah, it, like I remember we had this conversation right before camp started. And I said, like, what's the craziest thing that could happen? And I didn't have Ole Udo even as a possibility to start a guard. Maybe you had that one. I had Mason hmm. Cole to potentially start a guard. But here we are with kind of like – Crazy stuff happening with the offensive line again, and it's just this storyline that will not go away. It's like Delta variant and right guard will just not go away for us. Um, I wanted to ask you about what you think the impact of BC Johnson tearing his ACL is because Judd and I did not have a chance to talk about that the other mm. night. And I think more than anything, it just sort of clears things up. Like, I don't mean that that's good in any way. Like, B.C. Johnson has made a career for himself here as a seventh-round draft pick. We don't see that very often. Um, so it's really tough for him. And you tear your ACL, you get behind the ball with your career. Like, this is how tough it is to stick in the NFL. So I feel really bad for him, and he's always been uh, great with us. But it does kind of clear some stuff up for where you are in the wide receiver room at this moment. Yeah, I we we've said that. They're going to keep probably five or six wide receivers. I don't think seven again this year. Um, and it is a numbers game. You know, Chad Beebe probably was in a competition with B.C. Johnson. That's the way I I handicapped it. Um, I think Beebe's gotten passed by K.J. Osborne. I think until D.D. Westbrook comes back and competes, K.J. Osborne might be your wide receiver three. Um, Amir Smith-Marset is likely going to make this team, but he's not going to shock the world and I think be a contributor in a big way this year I don't see it playing out that way I mean if anything this moves everybody up one rung so behind your wide receiver three you know then you've got your receivers in waiting um who's gonna come in at the first injury and then I think you know you're looking at BB Smith Marset and where does Westbrook fit in um the Osborne emergence and we've got a story coming out on him on Tuesday is pretty interesting and unexpected. I don't think they necessarily signed Westbrook um, if they knew Osborne was going to play like this. And Westbrook can still give them a punt return threat who might be the best on the roster. And I don't think Westbrook is in danger of like you know missing the roster at all. But it's possible that he is a special teamer primarily and receiver sort of part-time and if KJ Osborne you know passes him becomes the wide receiver three that uh, I think is a good problem to have for the Vikings 
want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the Duck Duck Gray Duck and the Randy Moss Goat, which you've got to see. Uh, all their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use Promo code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's SodaStick, S O T A S T I C K dot com. Original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Yeah, I think um, when you bring in Didi Westbrook, considering where he's coming off the injury, you have to figure someone else needs to be ready for at least the beginning of season to be wide receiver three. And maybe they thought that would be Chad Beebe or that would be BC Johnson. And now we know it's not going to be BC Johnson, but then all of a sudden KJ Osborne starts making plays. The only thing is uh, pads, 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 pads. Like yeah. it's, it's so hard because I, I, I want to give definitive opinions and try to forecast where these things are going. Chad Beebe has won jobs before through full training camps. And we are, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves on some things just because last year was so rushed. It was like by the second week, we knew what everybody was and where they stood because we just went right into pads and then full steam ahead for two weeks and then boom season. This is more of the long haul, the marathon and not a sprint. So we've got to see the preseason game first. Does DD Westbrook play in the pre preseason games? Is he going to be ready to do that yet? That's going to be something that we're kind of keeping an eye on. I mean, he's a guy that's had 66 catches two times in NFL seasons, but then lost his job last year to some other wide receivers. So like, where do we stand with this? We don't really know until we see it out there. But what we do know is that K.J. Osborne has put his name on the map more than anybody else. And now this battle is kind of down to Osborne, Westbrook, B.B., and Smith-Marset. And I think only three of those people stay. I would be surprised if Smith-Marset got cut. Wouldn't be the first fifth rounder to be cut and put on the practice squad, though. Mm -hmm. um, not at all. So I think that that battle continues to be the most interesting. So we got to get out to practice here in a second. But I just wonder, as, as we get into the pads for this week, and not today, again, <laughs> as was announced, um, like what, what do you think is the biggest thing that we start to figure out once the pads come on? Because I get to not be obnoxious anymore and say, well, the guy doesn't have pads yet, so we'll see then. <laughs> like I, I'm tired of saying that, but I always just have to put that caveat when someone's shining because we've seen that before. But what, what is the biggest thing that will change in how we are watching practice in your mind? I think we got to watch the trenches more closely because that's where there's a ton of contact. And that's why, you know, those are the people that they are alleviating the contact for. It's the guys in the trenches mainly because um, now they can, you know, the, the edge rushers can really slam into the offensive line. The offensive line can push back, you know, as hard as they can. And uh, we're going to get to see how Ezra Cleveland is holding up like against a massive, yes. um, assuming Michael Pierce comes back soon, a massive nose tackle. And even Dalvin Tomlinson will give him a pretty good test. And then on the boundaries, um, Bashad Breeland hurt his shoulder. Is he going to be able to press effectively? You know, how is he going to do with contact? And how will the receivers get off the jam and, um, and you know, get work their way downfield? Can my guy, K.J. Osborne, continue to, to show what he's been showing? And I, I want to see Justin Jefferson against Patrick Peterson, the, you know, famed press corner, 
uh, can Jefferson win a lot of those battles? I think he has been in without oh, yeah. pads mainly, yeah. but you mentioned it. Receivers have a pretty big advantage. I just want to see how Peterson looks in terms of his speed and quickness when the pads come on. It's hard to tell that right now. Uh, it seems like they're very happy with him as a person, and I could see why. Uh, I've just been really impressed with him. He does have Terrence Newman vibes of someone who's just very, very intelligent and uh, is letting that rub off on other people, but not like in an egotistical way either. Like sometimes stars come in who have been around and they kind of have this, hey, I'm a star type of thing and I'm going to do what I do. Uh, that has not been Patrick Peterson. Seems like a really, really bright guy and that's played a major role in his potential Hall of Fame career. Uh, so that's that's been interesting to hear him talk, to hear people talk about him. But really the age is the concern and the quickness and the speed is the concern because sometimes guys are Terrence Newman, but they're usually not. It usually is when they lose that one step, then things get harder. And uh, Peterson did sort of imply that he's going to play more zone coverage. So I was going to ask you about that because yeah. he said that with Zimmer's instruction, he's excited to basically like sit further back so he can like see the receivers route develop more instead of having his back to the quarterback which I read as playing zone coverage because that's what it sounds like um as opposed to being right up on guys and playing man-to-man where his numbers just weren't as good and this is where you mentioned Zim it's like sometimes Zimmer is uh, I don't like those analytics you got there and sometimes Zimmer is like oh someone showed me this number and I believe that and I'm gonna work with that and I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of them so that's that. That is a development that um, I'll be interested to see. We're not. Go- they're not going to show us all the coverages that they're playing clearly in training camp, but just in terms of how quick he looks, how explosive he looks, those things I don't really have a good feel for right now. And I think we do get a feel going forward. I also want to know. This is where we'll end. So Ryan Ficken, the special teams coach, we talked to him today for longer than I think we've talked to a special teams coach since <laughs> Mike Prefer, who would talk a lot. And he mentioned trying to put Greg Joseph, the kicker, if you didn't know, in like situations where he had, quote, like adversity. <laughs> Can you just lay me out a scenario of where they have adversity for the kicker in practice like how does this how does this work do they like do they put a tiger like out there and they have the tiger run at them or like what 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 do they do to to have this happen do they have like uh yeah you know michael pierce stand right behind him and breathe heavily like how how do you get adversify if that's a word a kicker i you know i can't remember the kicker's name, the Gophers kicker that beat Penn State about 20 years ago. I remember he kicked over a ladder, like he put a ladder five yards away and had to kick over the ladder to mimic LeVar Arrington blocking him. Um, maybe they'll bring some ladders out. They'll have like, you know, Daniil Hunter stand on the ladder for a little extra length. I know. They could have the, the guy from when uh, Adam Sandler plays with Bob Barker stand on the sideline as soon as he goes to kick he'll say you suck jackass like just before he kicks and yeah if he can kick while that guy is yelling that then he's got it then he's all set yeah i mean the, the game of thrones fans will get this reference but you know just set up sort of like a shame tunnel for him like if he misses just have people like mike zimmer and can be ringing a bell and chanting oh, shame, shame, shame 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 did you see that uh the giants are running laps when they do things wrong like is it a joe judge initiative i imagine 
Well, then, no, well, go back about two years when the Vikings had to run some like sideline to sideline sprints. Was that a was that because the kicker missed, or I, we thought I it thought was? So. We thought it was. Yes. The Vikings denied it. But we still kind of think it was. We still kind of think it was, yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, that was a little extra conditioning. It was like, was it, though? Because guys were just sort of jogging slowly. Like, I could have handled mm-hmm. that conditioning. Like, yeah. what? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Zimmer has always been weird about kickers. And the fact that Greg Joseph missed two from deep the other day, I, I just kind of can't wait for the weirdness with kickers to happen. And you'll know this camp has jumped the shark when there is a kicker slash punter who arrives. That'll be a prediction that there is a, there is a kicker slash punter out there somewhere. Well, and with he all, will return. Now, I believe the players on the reserve list get to be replaced on the roster, right? So they've got like five spots to fill. Is that accurate? Yeah, one of them going to uh, Case. Case Cookus. Okay, Cookus. Four, four more spots. There's got to be a kicker slash punter in there somewhere. Kicker slash punter. We've got a tight end slash punter, but the punting slash seems to Slash long fine. snapper. Yeah. Yeah. This is all it feels like groundhogs quintessential all like yeah it's all vintage vikings so thank you all for listening uh sam and i are going to be doing our live stream on wednesday by the way with bring me the news so if you follow them on facebook and youtube uh make sure you check that out and the video will be up there too so that'll be fun okay uh we got to run to practice so i'll see you guys later